0: The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us today with Corn Belt Marketing and I don't know about you, you know, we were to kind of talking a little bit, we're done with this winter weather, and I think some frustration for producers, as guys want to get in the field, they want to get field work done, and looking at the markets sometimes aren't the encouragement that they need at this point.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we had kind of a choppy day today, and, and obviously a lot of uh, kind of edgy feelings for the last couple weeks here, with all the China-U.S. trade fears, uh, announcement about tariff talk, everything. Uh, and. On that front, we've seen a far improved sentiment from this time last week uh, on that whole deal. Uh, you know, Trump announced, or excuse me, the Chinese president announced that they would basically open their doors for the auto industry. Um, and a lot of people look at that as just kind of the first card to fall. But keep in mind, nothing's been confirmed yet, and uh, these talks are going to be going on, you know, for another month or so, maybe even longer than that before we learn a lot more about this. And that supports the idea of potentially a range-bound bean market. And you know, the irony in this whole thing, uh, Susan, was when that was announced, the Brazilian soybean basis, you know, just skyrocketed, taking their prices well over ours. and. You know, uh, U.S. remained the cheapest game in town. So while we got all the rhetoric out here about how we're going to pay the farmer back, we see beans still resting right near the highs.
0: Are we going to keep that trend going for these soybeans?
1: You know, something that kept been keeping an eye on here over the last few sessions is, is keeping an eye on the crush spread. And, and it has been uh, weakening here the last few sessions. And, you know, it seems like a lot of the volume here the last couple of days, you know, you see seen breaks get bought you, and you wonder if funds are kind of loading the boat again. And uh, one of the key... Uh, uh, market factors here that I'll look at towards the end of the week will be the equipment of traders data which will be accurate as of this Tuesday but what that means is that it will have included all of last week's action. It'll kind of give us a barometer as to how many contracts the funds may have gotten washed out of last week via stops or what have you uh, on those heavy volume days and when you look at the overall volume when that was occurring you know, those numbers were just huge and when we've seen this recovery back it wasn't quite as large and that begs the question you know, how many funds got out and end users took their place Now those funds are trying to get back in, and as stacked up as they are on the long side, we're very vulnerable to liquidation. But if the U.S. is still the cheapest game in town and we continue to see beans sold and the charts stay positive, then you'll continue to see some buyers in the market. But can we have a runaway market? I just don't see anything that justifies that at this point.
0: Any early, or I should say continued talk about where we're sitting with, with the progress of the Brazilian harvest?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're very far along, in it, and as far as, um, you know, the crop size, we've continued to see that uh, increase uh, incrementally as each report passes. But, you know, keep in mind, their farmers down there are not encouraged to sell. They're holding beans as a hedge against inflation. They don't trust the government. They don't trust what could be in the offing from a political standpoint down there. And that means, you know, as a buyer there at the port, the whole reason that basis exploded is they were expecting a big windfall, uh, from the export standpoint and as a buyer, you don't want to commit, a, you know, a product to somebody and then not be able to source it, you know, when you turn around and, and try to find those beans. So, uh, we are starting to see that basis relax just a little bit and undoubtedly it will not fall as quickly as it rallied because of the, you know, continued uncertainty here moving forward. But we see our Pacific Northwest basis really hot on beans. Um, and again, it's nice to see exports there, but keep in mind our export shipments, the inspections and in beans are still lagging them. Uh, The seasonal average by around 12%. So there's time to kind of reverse that and fix that moving forward. But it's hard to expect a lot more upside in these beans, at least for the short term, unless we see another factor come come, uh, to the top.
0: So the question is, could that factor then be, looking at South Dakota, looking at Nebraska, Minnesota, we're sitting idle. Could beans potentially steal some acres from corn?
1: But I don't know how we couldn't assume that that's possible. Um, you know, for our latitude, Susan, uh, here in central Illinois, even out uh, across all the way out to Nebraska, it's hard to get real nervous about things as quickly as we know they can change. And especially once you see those temperatures start to warm up, it's amazing what just two or three days of sunshine and a breeze and some warm temperatures will do. When you're looking, areas uh, in Dakota's parts of Minnesota that already have several inches of snow on the ground, and some areas maybe still a foot. Um, we've seen temperatures down into the single digits here over the past week uh, a couple different times. Now we got another snowstorm, and you probably got a foot of frost underneath all of that on top of it. Uh, it's just hard for me to see how we could anticipate anything different than that. And I think we run the risk of maybe shifting some corn or spring wheat acres over, but it really just depends on where we're at here in 30 days, and I wonder if some of those areas have even thought about turning a wheel uh, at that point in time.
0: I guess patience is truly going to be the virtue this year for spring planning.
1: Absolutely, and, and, and this all ties back to the acreage, uh, you know, topic in general. You know, what are we going to see moved out of the plains? We saw wheat uh, markets weak today because of the chances of rains. Well, if we see a higher amount of abandonment there, what does it go to? If we get the rains, maybe we don't get that. Uh, and, and just in general, did the USDA maybe leave some acreage out just because they weren't sure? And, and all of a sudden, we find a million and a half to two million acres here in June.
0: We did see, and you just mentioned it briefly, the, the pullback that happened in this wheat market today, in part because. There's supposed to be some sort of moisture moving through parts of Kansas.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the the trade is always going to be quick to assume that that crop is resilient. Um, It's hard to kill a weed, and then where they say you can try to kill the wheat crop three different times, I guess. But also keep in mind that the strength in the the wheat complex just in general uh, has typically been short-lived, and that's probably likely to continue. It doesn't mean we can't still see higher prices, but, you know, bear in mind a lot of that is outside money buying. It's chart buying. It's short covering. Um, but when we got a billion bushels of wheat on the sideline, to really sustain a longer term rally in the U.S. wheat complex, we, we've probably got to see a production problem either in the Black Sea or Australia. And granted, those you know two areas aren't off to a great start, uh, but it's too early to to really start uh, crying for a problem there. And the higher we go send prices now, the more we take ourselves out of the export market. So short term versus long term, there uh, again the, the wheat acreage as far as what will be abandoned and what's going to be available from a spring wheat standpoint it can certainly rally, you know Minneapolis and Kansas City wheat because of the protein, uh, you know factor there. But you know uh, when you see those rallies, I think it's a hedging opportunity for the long term.
0: So how far behind is Russia at this point with spring wheat planting?
1: As a percentage, I would have to look that up, but I know they've been dealing with some of the same issues um, that we've seen here, too. I mean, they've had uh, some dramatically cold temperatures, but it's still early enough where, and there's enough areas that have gotten some work done that there's no reason to panic, at least from the research that I read. Um, You know, just keep tabs on that from a week to week basis, though, because if there is a reason for the world buyers uh, like Egypt to come to the U.S. and gobble up our carryout, this is something to be thinking about, maybe not so much this year, but just in the next one to five years
0: be back with more of the Fontenelle final bell. We'll look at the corn and, of course, the livestock trade, and we'll throw some ethanol in as well on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joining us with Corn Belt Marketing. You know, earlier today the president made a comment. I don't know how much the market really reacted, but I'm I'm pulling up here. It says Trump to pledge support for year-round E15 sales. That's according to the Ethanol Producer magazine. But he said that he would pledge his support, but didn't say it was a done deal yet. And I think there's a lot of misinformation and, and hopefuls out there at this point just because he says, yeah, I'll pledge my support.
1: Yeah, and that's obviously not a negative point, but, you know, we need confirmation, obviously, before we can really, uh you know, put any teeth into that, I guess. And I think this is probably just a signal uh, of them saying, hey, you know, negotiations are still ongoing. Uh, what's going to happen with the RIN values? Will that be capped? Will we see more waivers? Um, will we see an E15 or is it going to be somewhere in the middle where, you know, not everyone gets exactly what they want? So uh, I, I think there's been enough, uh, I guess, hubbub and, and outcry here from both sides of the table um, just over the past week to 10 days even that uh, they're going to know that that's very important. And it seems like for now this is kind of a tabled issue, but, uh, you know, where will we be at in two or three months from now? Um, the main you know, thing for the foreign market right now is still going to be based on weather, but it was interesting that when this came out, uh, the market was able to get a little bit of an uptick after that. I just don't think you're going to see a lot of follow-through on something like that. I think it's going to be more based on you know, what do we see uh, from a demand standpoint and weather here uh, as we go on week to week.
0: And, and speaking of, um, obviously, producers are busy putting in on. They're getting ready for that optimal window to open up. But is the corn higher because of the higher numbers we saw in the beans today?
1: Well, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was weak here this morning because the wheat was taking it on the chin with an increased, uh, you know, chance for rainfall. But I think the corn market is just going to be content here, hovering around uh, in between the, this most recent uh, high that we made here just in the last week and the 390 level, I guess, uh, basis July. Uh, it's just hard to see a lot of downside until we can confirm a weather window or get some other headline that would pressure the market lower. Um farmers aren't real enticed to sell right now. We haven't seen a price that we haven't seen yet. Uh, we've already been at these price levels. There's not a whole lot of new sellers out there. And, and as you mentioned, farmers are getting ready to go to the field. And with the forecast the way it is, um, people have, you know, probably gradually gotten more bullish over the last couple of weeks as opposed to more bearish. And when you look at our basis, uh, it, it's been kind of sloppy here the last week or so with all the, uh, uh, just rhetoric and, and uncertainty out there, but you know, keep in mind we've had uh, great ethanol margins and the alcohol market. Uh, the fact that energy prices have remained strong and the soil meal market uh, having taken off there towards the end of January, February, uh, really had just helped protein in general, and that helps the DDG market and helps those ethanol buyers. You know, keep those bids strong, even though the market has seen a rally here. Uh, if we leg up one more time here because of weather, you might see some of that weaken uh, or soften up just a little bit again on the uncertainty. Uh, but moving forward you know keep in mind the higher we go the less we may export but acreage is low enough now and demand is stated high enough at least for now that there's not a lot of room for error and that means probably little downside in the short term as well
0: let's jump over to the livestock side sam cash cattle market has been on the definite sluggish side uh are we going to continue to see this mode of action towards the end of the week
1: you know I, I, we've had a pretty good recovery i don't know what we'll see tomorrow going into the weekend because we had uh, you know such a good day today i, I would see us maybe uh, more choppy i guess until we can confirm anything more on from a sales standpoint but done. It, it almost seemed like the market was kind of anticipating something uh, to come from the China thing. And then last week, you know, with beef being on the list, bear in mind, it probably only affected about 10% of our exports, which isn't nothing, but, um, you know, that was really limited to the Chinese mainland as opposed to Hong Kong, which makes up about 90% of the beef trade. So for the short term, I think we, get, again, kind of table those fears for now. And given as strong as the cash market's been, I guess I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't shy away from the potential for June to maybe get back to that 108 level. And that's probably another Uh, hedging opportunity from a producer standpoint and i'm not so sure we won't uh see the feeders kind of trap around this 140 mark maybe even make a run at uh, 142 to 145 Uh, i don't know if we can you know move too much higher than there unless we see some sort of cash confirmation but keep in mind heavy supply heavy demand markets are typically supportive of a range-bound market and so far that's what we've been seeing
0: and at this point Mm -hmm. who wants to even look at the grill when you have to push the snow off of it (laughs)
1: Exactly. With the temperatures warming, you hope that uh, finally uh, it also increases some seasonal demand as well and and also offers some optimism.
0: Uh, Feeder cattle market? Kind of fol- following along with what we saw in the live cattle market, some triple-digit gains. Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, it, it, it has also been paying close attention to the corn. That hasn't been a, a real tailwind here. If it, you know, if you look at it over the last uh, month or so, uh, but again, the cash markets have remained pretty strong. Uh, we continue to see cash trade uh, anywhere from five to ten dollars, in some cases even more than that above the market. This week was a little bit sloppier uh, in that regard, but I think part of that is just because of all the ongoing uh, trade fears and people maybe uncertain and, and not a lot of willing buyers out there. I think next week's going to be. A far better indicator of where we're going to go in the short term uh, on the feeder contract. And again, uh, you hope that uh, these lows that we've made here over the last couple of weeks are will hold here for the next few months.
0: Well, speaking of trade fears, I, I was reading earlier today. One broker said uh, hogs had an okay market today. Well, when
1: they're not down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, again, kind of a similar song and dance here with all these, uh, you know, what are we going to be seeing for demand? What are weights going to be looking like? Um, you know, from a technical standpoint, this June has made a, a pretty good rebound here. And I think it's safe to say that uh, I'm not so sure this June can't run up and, and, and maybe test that uh, that 80 level again. Um, for these front months, it's going to be a little tougher. What is the
0: best way, folks, for uh
1: or www.cornbeltmarketing.com.
0: That's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.